So the so the question the question is, is there an objective morality? Is there such a thing as objective morality? On a recent episode of Liberty Curious, I sat down with Bruce Party, professor of law and executive director of Rights Probe, to discuss the woke virus of the mind. The comment section was full of passionate and interesting criticisms and debate on one particular issue. Can we all just universally agree on what is right and what is wrong, and then let that determine our rights? So I asked Bruce to come back and go through some of your comments with me. In delving deep into these kinds of questions and concepts, we came across two common arguments for liberty, the moral argument and the utilitarian or consequential argument, meaning liberty produces better outcomes. Bruce argues that both of these arguments for liberty fall short and shares his thesis for a third way. I hope you enjoy this episode of Liberty Curious and as always, feel free to let us know what you think in the comment section. And uh, on our last podcast that we did, The Woke Virus of the Mind, we talked about the four deadly horsemen. The four, the four doctrines of the apocalypse. Yes, yes, I call them the four <laughs> deadly horsemen. <laughs> uh, close enough. Close enough. Right, that's, right, that's right. Yeah. And that was postmodernism, critical theory, critical race theory, and social justice. Right. And so we spoke about all these things, got into some legal aspects of it, philosophical aspects of it, and historical aspects. Mm-hmm. And if you go into the comments section mm-hmm. of that podcast, mm-hmm. it sparked a lot of debate mm-hmm. on one particular issue. Mm-hmm. So what we'd like to do for our audience today is to actually address that particular issue of contention. Mm-hmm. And do you want to share what it is? Yes, sure. So the question is whether or not there is an objective morality. And a lot of people are sure that that there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. And the context that we were talking about was postmodernism. Postmodernism being the idea that, that uh, truth is a social construct. Yeah. And I suggested that there was some validity to that idea because objective truth is very difficult to prove. Impossible to prove. Now, you can take scientific ideas and you can get pretty close to proving those, although you're still using your senses. But even more contentious are moral propositions. Mm-hmm. Right. So, just off the top, let's distinguish between two different things. Okay, two different two different fields of inquiry, if you like, the philosophical and the legal. Now, philosophically, one might argue that there is or there is not an objective morality, and either answer might be right. I I have no stake in that answer. Um, if you were to argue with me that, you, that, that, let's back up one more step. Yeah. When we talk about morality, what are we talking about? We're talking about the proposition that there is an inherent good or bad. An inherent good or bad that is independent of lots of other things. It's independent of what human beings think about it. Yes. It's independent of what the majority thinks. It's independent of what the consequences of that morality are, mm-hmm. what the utility of it is. In other words, there is an inher- inherent good or bad independent of all these other things. Okay? Now, there might be. I certainly have a conviction about what I think is moral and immoral, as do a lot of other people. I might think that my conception of what's moral 
and immoral is the real one, is, is the inherently good or bad Well, most people it. do. Most people do, and this is the problem. So philosophically, we can talk about this, we can argue about it, we can hypothesize, and that's all good, all great. When you move from the philosophical to the legal, and when I say the legal, I mean the question of what people are allowed to do and not allowed to do. Mm -hmm. that when we talk about liberty, we're talking about the law because the law has consequences. If the law says, well, you can't do this and you can't do that, you cannot misgender that person, even though you're of the opinion that misgendering somebody is not immoral, the law has encapsulated a moral view and is imposing that so your liberty is now infringed. So let me stop you there. Yes. Most of our listeners would probably agree with that one. Yes. But what they would maybe disagree on would be the idea that it should not be legal to kill somebody because mm -hmm. it's wrong. Right. Correct. And so you have a different answer to that question if you're looking yes. at it from I, this legal aspect. And I want to distinguish between two different things. Yeah. So I would, I personally would agree with them about that moral proposition. I agree with them that killing somebody is immoral. Mm -hmm. My agreement doesn't mean anything about whether or not that's actually morally true. All right, so I think what we should do yes. to get more context okay. about what the comment section looks like is yes. actually to read it. Right. <laughs> so here is a great comment. Okay. So Canoe Doc wrote three comments. Okay. Um, one of them, was COVID response was a full frontal attack on both reason and the sacredness and sanctity of the individual, mm -hmm. which is exactly what critical race theory, identity politics, and postmodernism is. Okay, fair. Okay, so yes. that's one. True. And he writes, the truth, quote, of a moral ideology mm -hmm. can be based on the degree to which it produces widespread human flourishing. Okay. Western ideology, yes. based on the sanctity and sacredness of the individual and reason, mm -hmm. is consistent with both the physical and moral laws of the universe we inhabit. Right. And the overwhelming success of Western democracies as an engine of human well-being is the best proof of that ideology's soundness and superiority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so we have to be very careful here. Let's distinguish between two different kinds of arguments. There are, and of course there's more than two, but let's just talk about two. There are moral arguments and there are utility arguments. Moral arguments basically say that something is inherently good or bad without, without regard to consequence, just by, by nature of the action. Mm -hmm. A utility argument or a consequentialist argument, if you like, is an argument that something is right because of the outcomes that it produces, okay? Now, you can make that moral argument that morality is based upon consequences. It's a consequential moral argument. But that sounds like that's what he's saying. This is right because it produces good consequences. So two examples of that would be, let's say, uh, the moral one would be, thou shalt not kill. Thou that's shalt that's not kill. a moral one. Sure. And let's say a utility argument is lockdowns and mask mandates and uh, coerced injections right. were wrong yes. because of the outcomes, because they produced bad outcomes. Right. Would that be two good examples? That'd be two good examples. But 
but, but let's go to the core problem here. Whenever you're talking about morality, you are talking about what somebody thinks. You know, so-and-so thinks that killing somebody is wrong. Or so-and-so thinks that wearing masks is right because yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. okay. Philosophically, that's totally fine. Because all we're talking about is what you think. When it comes to the law, now we're talking about imposing that moral belief on somebody. So here's the proposition. Can you prove that what you think is moral is actually moral? Can you prove the truth of the moral assertion? Because if you can't, here's what's going on. You've taken an opinion and put it into the law and are making other people comply with your opinion. So in order to make sure that we're talking actually about real morality, can you prove that your moral proposition is correct? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, of course you can't. Nobody can do that. It's not the kind of thing that it is. If you think of any moral proposition, anyone in the world, including a very basic one like it's immoral to kill somebody, and say, all right, fine, but prove it. Prove the moral proposition is true. Can't be done. Now, you say, well, but it's obvious. It's obvious that it's immoral to, to, to kill somebody. That's no proof of anything. If you ask around the world, take a poll, there are going to be, there's going to be somebody who says, no, I don't agree. I think I should have the right to kill other people because I don't consider that to be moral. Now, what are you going to do with respect to that person? You're going to say, well, I can prove to you that your moral belief that that's okay is wrong. Go ahead. I, I dare anybody to prove the moral proposition is correct. It so can't that, be done. So that is actually, I think, the crux of what irked people, as yes. you spoke about that in the last podcast. Right. And... It's, it is irksome. You think, well, of course, of course it's objectively wrong. Right. And, and people brought up lots of great examples. They brought up the Holocaust, for example. Exactly. Like, of course this is immoral. Right. But what I thought about, and this is maybe a good thing to get into, uh, is how does that pan out on the other side of things? When the other side thinks that it's completely moral, objectively moral, what they're doing. So during that era, mm -hmm. people thought that what they were doing in the name of the National Socialist regime was moral. It's the illustration of the fallacy of the resort to consensus. Right. Right. Say, so, right. well, everybody would agree that killing another person is wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're basing that attempt to prove on the existence of consensus. Shifts contexts, take a consensus or a poll or a vote mm -hmm. in 1930s Germany. And if there's a consensus that this program that they're, they're going down the path towards is morally right, does that make it morally right? No. Mm -hmm. If you took a poll about slavery at a, at a certain time in a certain place in the past, and there was a consensus that, oh, well, slavery is probably fine. Does that make slavery fine? No. It's still back to the basic proposition. You're talking about something that is inherently good or bad, regardless of the opinions of human beings. And so to prove your moral proposition, you can't say, well, everybody agrees, because that's not what you're talking about. That's not what you mean. You mean it's inherently wrong or right. So prove it. And if you take the most outrageous thing you can, the most obviously immoral matter, and try and prove it, you can't do it.
Because as long as there is somebody in the world who says, oh, no, I don't agree, it doesn't work. You can't prove it. Okay. So we saw that, obviously, during lockdowns and all of the mandates around COVID. Right. That there was this consensus that you're talking and about. And this is the danger of mm -hmm. that approach, mm -hmm. right? So as soon as the majority has an idea in their head about what's moral, if you're one of those people not in the majority, and you say to yourself, well, I know that's not moral, but they have consensus on, that, on their side, then you should be one of the first pe people to say, well, consensus has nothing to do with it. Right. Right? Right. But if you are one of those people, then what else do you got? You have, do you have utility? Back to the consequentialist argument? Well, I better be careful with that because the consequentialist argument um, it could go like this. So and this, is my, this is one of my favorite example, examples. Um, if, I, if, I, if I have a healthy body, but I have five neighbors, all of whom need uh, organ transplants, mm -hmm. then the, 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 the best moral position is to say, well, I should donate my organs and give up my life to save five people. It's five lives against one life. The consequence of that decision is five lives for one life. Isn't that moral? Well, I would say, because I have the healthy body, I would say, well, no, because I have rights. I have autonomy. I get to decide what happens to my own body. But if you're talking about the pure, sort of a utility calculus of the consequences of the assessment, that's got to be the right answer. So that's a very dangerous path to go down to. You cannot prove a moral proposition. And this is not a new idea. People, mm -hmm. you know, writers and thinkers have said this for quite a long time. What people are actually referring to or, or basing their morality on, in many cases, is their intuition mm. or their mm -hmm. emotional attachment to an idea. They're, they're, they're sure, they're absolutely sure that what they believe is right, is true in an absolute sense. But their their, the degree that they are sure is of no use with respect to imposing that belief on somebody who's not sure or who thinks differently. Now you're being a tyrant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know what's moral, therefore you will do what I tell you to do. That's the definition of, of authoritarianism. So if we come back to bodily autonomy, right. so for example, a lot of people think, well, on an individual basis, I think part of them are attached to the morality behind that concept, right? Thinking like, sure. it's immoral for you to tell me what to do with my body. Yes. Right? Right. So how do you separate that then? How do you tease that out and say, well, that's different from the legal reason that bodily autonomy is protected if if we're living, you know, in in a regime where well, those there's, things there's are There's no protected. doubt that a lot of the, a lot of these ideas have um, moral aspects to them. I mean, we have mm -hmm. we have morality crimes. I mean, they're not they're not labeled like that in the statute, but there's a category of crimes um, that that don't have a victim, right? And typically are sometimes regarded as morality crimes because they're enforcing a moral order. Uh, and, and not all of these are still on the books, but you can go through the list historically of, of 
prostitution or gay sex or blasphemy, uh, things that have no victim, but nevertheless, the body politic, the government of the day thought it was appropriate to, to embody a moral consensus in the law and make people not misbehave. Well, you could argue that some of those crimes do have victims, depending where you're coming from and how you're viewing the nuances of those crimes. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you could say, well, prostitution, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a transaction between two individuals who consent. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the reality of prostitution and you see that a lot of the times there's coercion involved with the people who are actually prostituting themselves. And if you look at their whole situation on an individual level, it's easy to say, well, it's immoral and people make that moral judgment and therefore they think it's not a victimless crime. But technically you would say sure. that's a victimless, well, victimless crime. We, we can, uh, absolutely. Yeah. We can, but we can, we can do this all day mm -hmm. with every single thing that somebody wants to be outlawed. You're going to be able to have them characterize some kind of detrimental consequence to some kind of class of victim to situations where, a lot of other people are going to say, well, that's, 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 not, a, that's not actually a victim and that's not actually right. be a crime. That's not an immoral act. Go back to my example of the, um, of the misgendering somebody. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, you know, you, 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 you don't call somebody by their proper, their proper pronoun, their preferred pronoun. Mm -hmm. right? And some would say, well, that ought to be, that ought to be a crime or, or, or at least a violation of a human right. Because you have a victim, the person who's, who was misgendered, and it's immoral not to call them by their preferred pronoun. Therefore, we should, we should put in the law penalties mm -hmm. for people who, who do this. And there are other people who say, you know, what are you talking about? That, that's not immoral. That's freedom of speech. Uh, I don't even believe that they are anyway. Uh, it's immoral to call yourself a man when you're a woman. Okay? So now you have clashes of two moral views. And my proposition to both of them is, prove it. Prove that your opinion is the right one without relying on your intuition, on your emotion, on, the, on consensus, on tradition, on your holy books. No, prove it. And you can't. Okay. So I'm going to pull up a comment here because there's something. All right. Here's what I was looking for. This is from Chris Page. And he wrote a string of comments and he, and he was pretty upset with, with some of the things that you were talking about, right. but he had some great comments and Good. he had some great feedback and questions. Okay. So he says, and this answers to your point about prove it. Yep. Okay. Without God, you can't have morality. Yes. You can have efficiency, consensus, etc., but not morality. Right. Thus, People who advocate moral relativism or morality through consensus are always and everywhere advocating evil, whether they know it or intend it. Mm -hmm. Once you render morality a meaningless, changing concept, it's all over. Mm -hmm. You'll decline mm -hmm. into evil mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. So I think to respond to that appropriately, we again, again have to emphasize the two different realms we're talking about sort of the, the philosophical or even spiritual, if you want, mm -hmm. on the one hand, and the legal on the other. Yeah. So in the philosophical or spiritual realm, uh, I, you know, he may well be right. Maybe he's right. The problem is that when you, 
go into the legal realm. What he stated is still a belief. He's, he's reflecting a belief in God. I'm not saying I disagree, but let's say he and I agree about that. Our consensus means nothing. And he's respect, saying that... With that, respect to the other people who disagree. Yes, but he's right? saying, too, that he doesn't think consensus is a good thing either. I know, but... but, but all right, so let's Maybe do, he's blind to his own mm, idea of consensus? I don't know. Let's do away with consensus. Yeah. Okay. Let's say he's the only person in the world who believes in God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so are we really going to have a legal regime that reflects his sole non-consensual belief in something? It doesn't mm -hmm. really matter what it is. It's in in something, and impose that on the rest of us? No, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. And it shouldn't happen. Right. So, okay, so one of the questions that I have for you yeah. is if we look at the law now, and we look at the law in the past, and we think about the Ten Commandments, for yes. example. Yes, yes. That was kind of a prototype to law, or a version of law, or a moral code. Sure. Um, and it looks like a lot of the laws that we have, like you can't murder people mm -hmm. without getting into legal trouble for it. Right. For example, there's yeah. there's many of those things that are in the Ten Commandments, not all of them, but it's yeah, kind of are, like a it's, it's 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 a it's a mixed bag. I mean, some of them are and some of them are not. Okay, right. Yeah. So, but there is a kind of foundational aspect to what the law should look like, right? That comes out of that in the kind of moral legal realm. Well, yeah, except that here's the thing. We now have a pluralist society. Mm -hmm. We have people uh, with different opinions about all kinds of things. We have, different from different, we have people from different places. We have people from different religions. Uh, we purport to have a liberal society. And by liberal, I mean <laughs> a, a society based upon woke? individual. <laughs> no, no, not all woke. Well, it's becoming that way, I guess. But, but traditionally. Yeah, a classical uh, the, liberal. The, the, a classically liberal uh, society in which people decide things for themselves. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a pluralist liberal society, you cannot proceed on the basis that everybody must agree to a moral code, a, a specific moral code that came out of anything, except one sort of concrete idea, at least this is what I would say, mm -hmm. the idea that because opinions about morality are diffuse and varied, the default position is everybody has to be able to decide that for themselves. Even if there happens to be an objective morality. For the purpose of the law, mm -hmm. you must assume that morality is relative and that value is subjective. Leave people alone. As long as they're not interfering with your ability to make your own moral decisions, mm -hmm. then you have to leave them alone to make their own moral decisions. And, and who, whose morality is objectively true or not, we will leave to the philosophers. Okay, so a pluralist society. But you could argue that back then at the time of the Ten Commandments, they were also in a pluralist society. And there were people who did not agree with that moral code, right? And they were subjected to that moral code sure. without their consent. Sure. But would you prefer to have lived in that society? Uh, not me. Yeah, no. I, I would. I don't want to live in a society where some yeah. person comes down from the mountain with ten rules and says these ten rules are for everybody. 
uh-uh, not me. I want to I want to see what they are first. Mm -hmm. I want to see if I agree with them. If I agree with them, okay. If not, then leave me up. Okay. So the idea of basically leave me alone, don't interfere with me, don't tread on me. Yes. Or maybe the non-aggression principle is what you're what you're hinting at here. Sure. Okay. In a in a vague sense. Yes. Now, there's is, a problem too. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is the problem. You is where you're going, right? Uh-huh. The problem is well, that's a moral principle that's, too. That's where I'm going, exactly. That's right. 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 And, I, and I totally accept that. I cannot prove any more than anybody else can prove their own moral codes that the non-aggression principle is the one morally correct rule that we ought to have. So what are we going to do with that? Right. So we can say, well, that means everything's up in the air. That means you've got a choice between two different paradigms, if you like, mm -hmm. for your society. Either there's not going to be any rules at all. If every rule is based upon a moral proposition and you can't prove the moral propositions are true, yeah. then you have to have no rules at all, which means that anything goes. That means might is right and you can... Anarchy. You, you can have anarchy. You, have, you can maim and you can kill, you can attack, you can steal, you can do whatever you want. And the other main choice is having a society in which there is this one principle, which is you can do anything you want except you can't impose force, force upon somebody else. So where does that idea come from? Do you know when it came about? Uh, does that come well, about with the birth of the nation state? Is that kind of a, is that a philosophical idea that precedes that? Or I couldn't tell you exactly what the historical origin of the idea is, but that idea runs through an awful lot of our laws, has done so for quite a while. I mean, today it would be called a libertarian or classical liberal proposition, the mm -hmm. non-aggression principle. Mm -hmm. But but all of the all of the r rules and laws that that prohibit violence against another person is is reflecting that idea right yes. so it's it's not it's it's not as recent as that right um, uh, but so you have these two you have these two choices and and it you can't based upon the argument that I've been making you can't go down the road of saying well one is moral and one's not moral I'm sorry we we, we abandoned that okay so my proposition is look hmm. okay everybody you got to choose one and I'm not making any moral judgment about which one you choose. But you got to choose one. And if I was going to choose, I'd choose this one. Yes. Now, if we want to have a free-for-all, okay. Um, the, way, the way for me that we end up here, that's, that's with the non-aggression principle, mm -hmm. instead of with anarchy, is a little, it's a, it's a, it goes like this. So we have this choice. And it's a choice that I imagine putting to every single individual. Right? Mm -hmm. So do you want to live in a society in which violence is prohibited? The use of force is prohibited. That's over here. Or in which it isn't. That's over here. That's your, your free-for-all. Okay? So that's the choice. Is it yes or a no? So a lot of people are going to say, yes, we don't want to live in that kind of a horrible place. Yeah. I agree to having laws that prohibit the use of force. Okay? I, I, 
force prohibited on the part of me and my fellow citizens and the state for that matter. And what does force mean? If you can just specify a little right. bit, we're is that like stealing? Is that stealing? We're talking about stealing. We're talking about violence. We're talking about imposing your, your, your will on people. Mm -hmm. You're talking about uh, physical contact without consent. You're talking about, um, uh, interfering with property without consent. You're talking even about contracts. Let's say, let's, for example, let's say you have a bike. Yes. And I come along and say, well, I'd like the bike. And you say, 200 bucks, please. And I say, okay, I'll pay you 200 bucks tomorrow for the bike. Mm -hmm. And you say, okay, we have a contract. And I take the bike away on the basis of my promise to pay you 200 bucks. And tomorrow, I see you in the street and I say, you know, too bad for you. I'm not paying you 200 bucks. Okay. Well, I have, we had a contract. I breached the contract. And therefore, your consent really no longer exists because our agreement is not an agreement. I have taken your bike pursuant to what appeared to be a contract, yeah. but I breached it. So we could say, I have used force against you by taking your bike right. on the pretense of a contract that I didn't, I didn't perform. Okay? So that single proposition has a whole lot of... Yeah. Implications. I just wanted to point that yeah. out because it covers a lot. It covers Sometimes a lot people of think nonviolence principle just yeah. literally means physical battery. Not, no, no. Right. It, 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 and it also includes the state coming along and enforcing its rule against prostitution. Right? So you have a prostitute and a mm -hmm. john, and they agree. There's a contract there. Uh, they both give consent to the interaction and the payment of money. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's, because there's consent, there's no, there's no force. As long as there's no, con if there's no consent, then you're not talking about a contract, you're talking about force. But if you have a, a transaction, then the one thing, if you have this rule, the one thing the state cannot do is come in with its force and say, no, the two of you can't do that. We don't allow it. Right. And what about the state coming and um, collecting taxes or no. doing other things? So nothing without no. your consent. Nothing without your consent. Right. Okay. Right? Now, Here's the paradox. If, you've con if you're one of these people who have said yes to this question, you've consented, let's be very careful here. This is, and by the way, this is not a vote. This is not a majority vote. This is everybody individually, do you agree to a regime in which we have laws prohibiting the use of force and the threat of force? You can't go along and say, you know, I have a knife, I'm gonna run you through unless you give me your wallet. Now that's speech, but it's also a threat. So the use of force or a threat of force. Here's the paradox. You've agreed to a law that prohibits force. Mm -hmm. Now, laws are enforced with force. Right. So you have agreed to have a law prohibiting force that can be enforced with force. That sounds paradoxical, but that's what it means. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those people have agreed to the enforcement by the state with the state's force of one rule with all these implications, and that is no use of force or threats of force. Now, the people who have said no have said, I don't want to live in a place that prohibits force. Because I want to use force. I'm okay if my neighbor tries to use force against me because I think I'm stronger than him. Might be a gangster, might be a warlord, who knows? Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Those people have essentially said, I want a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. And might makes right. So if I'm able to use more force than the next guy, and I win, then I win. 
because might makes right. Okay, now here's the thing. Those people have essentially agreed to a regime in which the strongest can enforce their rules. If the state comes along with its force and enforces a rule against force and manages to do so, then that's exactly what those people have asked for. Right. They have asked for the strongest source of power to use force to enforce its might. And that's exactly what the state is doing. So essentially, both these groups, the yeses and the noes, have said, for different reasons, we're okay with a law that prohibits force. Yeah, that's pretty brilliant. I just want to kind of... And note this. Yeah. There's no moral, there are no moral arguments in that. There's no moral arguments except maybe the idea that people are consenting. That's a moral proposition in a way, too. Hmm. But what you have is now a regime that nobody can say they don't agree to in some respect. Okay, so just the second part, just to clarify that. Yeah. So you have, okay, so I'm a marauder, okay, I'm a pirate, right. I'm whatever, I'm a, right. a futuristic, anarchic uh, pirate. And I decide, no, 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 I want to be able to use force, I don't agree to this, I don't want any rules at all. Maybe, maybe I'm not even a pirate, maybe I just don't want, I don't agree to the idea of this kind of governance. So I just say, no, I don't want that, I don't agree, these right. are not laws that I want to abide by. Right. Okay, so what happens now is I've said, no, I want to be able to live in a world where force is used against me or that I can use it against others. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, mm -hmm. this force now of the state saying, okay, well, mm -hmm. we're going to use force mm -hmm. to keep you under this, mm -hmm. under this law, mm -hmm. under this legal framework mm -hmm. is a violation of that person's it's not a violation. It's not a violation. It's not a violation. It's not a violation. Right, 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 right. Because if you've agreed to have other people use force against you, you're now no longer in a position to decide why. If or the when. state uses force against you, you've you, you've given up your right to say no. That's it. That you you are now subject to whatever other force is used against you, because you said that's the kind of regime I, I want to live under. Okay. Now the fact that some people have managed to. To, to get hold of state power and then enforce their rules using the force of the state, that's just tough for you because that's what you asked for. Yes, 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 I see, okay, yeah. Um, all right, so is this, is this an idea that, are there elements of this idea in the law now? I, they're, they're, some people claim that there are in a way, but I don't agree with them. So you'll, you'll see a concept called the, uh, the social contract theory. Mm -hmm. Okay. Social contract theory basically says that the population has, has agreed to be governed. We have a social contract with those who govern us. And their authority is based in part upon our consent to the whole regime. Now, this is clearly not true. I didn't agree to that when I was born. Neither did I. <laughs> Which is why they call it social contract and not okay. actually contract. Right, right, right. It's all made up. It's a fiction. Okay. But, but the idea is that this system can only continue on for as long as the, 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 the governed basically consent to the authority of the, those who govern. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that might be true to some extent. I mean, if there is such discontent that you get revolution, sure, that's a very unstable political system. But it is not the case that everybody consents to the rules that they're subject to, just, just patently false. Right. Okay, let's look at another comment. Okay. This idea that everything is relative or morality is in the eye, ear of the beholder is odious and wrong. This is from Sharon. Right. It is the argument of the libertarian, in quotes, who thinks a society can function without regulations or rules. Mm-hmm. Morality slash immorality is fairly easy to determine. Okay. I'm looking forward to this. The rest of them. If what you are doing is objectively, and yes, the truth is objective, yes. harmful to another, it is immoral. The examples, and she's responding to somebody else. So okay. the examples right. you state above are clearly immoral. Mm-hmm. Only the intellectually dishonest would suggest that the Holocaust or child molestation could be moral. Mm-hmm. You can argue about what the Holocaust, Holocaust actually was, but child molestation is and what is not, but each of us will decide that for ourselves and then define our morality based upon that definition. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, hold on, so that's re- just... Reread that last sentence because it, that sounded like subjective morality to me. I, I may have misheard it. You can argue about what the Holocaust actually was, what child molestation is and what it is not. Yes. But each of us will decide that for ourselves. Each each of us will decide what the definition of those things is. Yeah. But then isn't she introducing an element of subjectivity into her objective morality? Maybe so. And then define our morality based upon that definition. Okay. Each of us will define our own morality based upon that definition. Or, or each of us will define our own definition and then base our morality upon our definition. But if our objective morality is based upon subjective definitions, then it's not the same morality. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to continue. And yes, society can impose morality on society. A moral society is one where the majority forms a consensus and converts that into laws. Okay, let's, let's, let's deal with that. Okay, I'll continue this one later because it's good. And I mean, okay. and, and, well, well, and listen... Let's just pause very briefly, though. Yeah, Because yeah. that... that, that Brings us back to the examples we talked about before. Yeah. Your example of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. my example of slavery. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have a consensus in a society that slavery is fine and you have laws that reflect that consensus, is she saying that therefore slavery is moral? Moral? Sure. I think that, you know what I think it is, and, and I think this is int- important to point out here, um, because these are really good debates and I, and I like to read these comments and I'm happy that people are commenting and, and putting themselves out there to actually kind of pull this stuff yes. apart. Agreed, agreed. Yep. Because I think it's, there are things that are, are so ugly and evil to us on a personal basis. Yes. That we can't imagine that yes, anybody yes. could say you can't determine that that's moral, like child molestation. I like agree, for me, I'm like, of course that's immoral, you know. But sure, but it's the, it's 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 the of course it's, that's the trap, and yes. here's the trap, yes. right? So if you proceed on the argument on that basis, mm-hmm. that look, we all know that this is wrong, and it's okay for the state to impose, you know, our collective morality, our consensus about morality on society. Here's what you get. You get what we've got now. You've got a consensus out there, or at least a claimed consensus, about imposing certain kinds of things on us that a lot of us think are totally wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's masking or vaccine mandates or pronouns or, 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 or 
or uh, curriculum in, in public schools about transgenderism or a whole other host of things. And those things are also being justified on exactly the same basis that this other version of morality is being justified about. If you accept the good, then you have to accept the bad. And when the consensus goes against you, you have to say, okay, well, this is moral too. And it ain't so. I'm going to pick up her comment because she gets to that. Okay. She's kind of emphasizing what you're saying here. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to continue the, I'm going to repeat the last line that, and then yep. continue on to the bottom. Okay. So, and yes, society can impose morality on society. A moral society is one where the majority forms a consensus and converts that into laws. Right. And then she continues, individual rights to act outside the consensus uh -huh. are perfectly fine as uh -huh. long as they don't radically offend that consensus. Ooh, that's a very dangerous comment. But anyway. Okay, on. hold yeah. that one. Right. It is the consensus in Western democracies that no government will impose any action against the body and mind of another person. Ergo, mandated vaccines are immoral. Uh-uh-uh-uh. That's... That... that that doesn't comply with what she said a minute ago. Because governments using the law to act against a person's body or mind radically offends that consensus. What if that's not the consensus? Okay, go for it. Take it. Well, so if during COVID, for example, the majority concluded that they wanted the state to do exactly what it did. If the majority decided that the, uh, the consensus came to the view that bodily autonomy was not the highest good, mm -hmm. but that safety was the highest good. Well, yeah. Th th these things are not fixed in stone. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't go back to some other time in history and say, well, th that was a consensus back then. Yeah. And that's right. the one that I want. And therefore, everything that follows has to comply with that consensus. Uh-uh, that's not the way it works. Then if we flip that, slavery would be moral now exactly so right right yeah right so you, if you in other words if you identify your criteria then you have to go along with it when it goes against you even though you're sure that the morality that you meant is actually the objectively true one you know you live by the sword you die by the sword so okay so this is good. And this is good. I think this is important for people as well, because I know that a lot of people listen to this show, um, want to be able to explain their position in a way that is concrete. Right. Right. And they feel very strongly about their position. And, you know, I think that you're, you're providing here something that's a little bit different, a different way of looking at things. And we've spoken about this a little bit before uh, off camera, which is the idea that there are different types of arguments for liberty. If we can just kind of sure. put it out there broadly, right. okay. you have this, um, this moral argument for liberty. Yes. The liberty is inherently good. You have a utility argument for liberty. Yes. Which would be? Which would be that if you organize your society around the liberty principle, then free markets and everything that goes along with liberty will produce the best outcome for people. It will right. produce innovation. It will produce prosperity. It will produce all the things that you like to see. Right. It will reduce poverty, et cetera, et cetera. And this is one that you hear talked about often in economics terms, right? All and, the time. And this is, you, yeah. and you did a presentation at AIER about right. this. Yes. And, and you, um, you quoted one of the founding fathers, but you, you, 
you changed it slightly, right? You said give rather- me, Give me utility or give me death. That's right. Right, this is Patrick Henry. Yes, he oh, sorry, that. sorry, it wasn't a, okay. Right, uh, it, it, um, you know, the, the, the actual line is give me liberty or give me death, yes. right? It wouldn't have worked nearly as well if he'd said, give me utility or give me death. In other words, we only want liberty because it produces the best outcomes for people. Right. If you say that, then what you've said is liberty is not the highest good and it can be taken away if there's another way of getting to of, of welfare Yeah. for everybody. Well, but, but that's what the consensus seems to be nowadays. That's kind of where we're at. That's we the, are in this utilitarian world, so I think it's important to kind of point yeah. that out to to say, hey, this is the the side that's kind of winning now with their utilitarian arguments are what we see manifested in the world that we don't like, right? And that we would be imposing the same things upon them. You know, it's like, okay, look, you want to do what you want with your body, right? So that's fine. We, you wouldn't want it to be imposed upon you if somebody came and said, hey, you're no longer allowed to choose your own pronoun. Right. Let's just say. Sure. Like, okay. let the individual decide, right? I mean, I might not personally agree with it, and I might think that, I might have many thoughts about it, but I, I will judge it my own way, but should that prevent that person, if, if the tables were turned from deciding that they could ask their friends and family to call them something or somebody else. The, the tables turning is a good way to measure whether or not you're making an argument that you really believe in. Okay. Right? So yeah. if you if you if you if you base your argument for liberty mm -hmm. on utility or or consequence, mm -hmm. then you've left yourself open to losing liberty if someone can say, well there's a better consequence if we do it this way. Yep. Right. So if you if you adopt the China model, if if somebody can show with data that well, you know, the China model actually produces higher aggregate welfare over this period of time than your liberty model does. Mm -hmm. Therefore, too bad for your liberty model, your your liberty idea. Let's go with the Chinese model because that was your criteria to start with. Yes, okay? and and same same with the same with the moral thing. If you establish the criteria for for what is moral. And then it turns on you because the consensus is not what you're presuming that it is. Then you lose the battle. And that's interesting, Bruce, because I've been speaking with a lot of people about um, the 1930s, 1940s and that era in history and how there were like changes in the kind of school of thought around um, the ideas of, of liberty and the ideas of the relationship with man and state. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. there were these ideas that sprung up from German academia mm -hmm. where they said, no, 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 like we have a better way. We have a way that will produce better outcomes mm -hmm. for our nation. Mm -hmm. And so therefore we are going to um, toss the individual aside as a concept for now. Like that's not really important. And we have to focus on what's best for the group, what's best for the nation. And that's what ended up spinning into all of the regimes that we saw throughout the 20th century, right? So like those kinds of ideas, that sure. utilitarian way of thinking that we're seeing now in yes. the examples you just described, yes. we saw them sure. and we saw sure. the outcomes of that sure. and, the, and, and the outcomes were not better either. And that's, again, it's a consequentialist argument I'm giving you for, well, the outcomes are gonna be worse anyways, but. <laughs> 
Well, let, let's just let's say this: that that uh, e even the free market economists agree mm -hmm. that there are some situations in which um, uh, established property rights and legal rights might not produce the the most efficient outcome, mm -hmm. and that if the most efficient outcome is what you're after, then you might have to reach in and then and adjust what those property rights or other legal rights provide for, okay? That's exactly contrary to the regime that I, that I think that we're talking about, which is, no, 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 liberty first, here are the rights that you have, and, and damn the consequences, those are your rights. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want someone to encroach upon your property, well, then it doesn't matter what kind of utility results if they do. So, so for example, let's try this. Um, this, this is, this is uh, uh, Ronald Coase, one of my um, favorite examples. He's, he wrote a very famous piece in, the 19, in 1960, um, basically saying that there, if you divide economic transactions into two, two categories, one in which there's no transaction costs, mm -hmm. that is everybody, everybody, it's very easy to transact, there's only a couple of players. He said, well, there's no transaction costs like, for example, where there's a, a rancher and a farmer, and the rancher has animals and the farmer does not, and the farmer has crops, whether or not the rancher's animals should be allowed to go onto the farmer's land. If the farmer has land rights that prevent that, okay. If the rancher has rights that allow the farmers to roam, okay, but they'll work it out because they know what their legal rights are. It's an efficient outcome either way. Okay, no transaction costs. But in a situation where you have transaction costs, and the example, one of the examples that he uses is, is a railway traveling across the country. But it travels across land where there's a whole bunch of farmer's fields, many, many farmer's fields. And this is an old style train. Sparks from the train occasionally fly out and make the crops catch on fire. Hmm. Okay. Now the train will be liable for that loss. Every single thing along the, every single farmer along the, the, the route potentially could sue the train if their crops are lost. So the, 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 the train maybe should negotiate with the farmers to acquire the rights to spark. But there are so many farmers, the transaction costs are high, it's impossible to do, there'll be free riders, you can't make that deal because it's just not practical. So, Coase says, the, the, the most efficient outcome is if you calculate the value of the train versus the value of the, of the fields that might get burnt and decide which is more valuable and adjust the property rights accordingly. So if the train happens to be more valuable and you're a farmer with a field, mm -hmm. sorry, pal. I see. You're, you're out. Not, you're not as valuable <laughs> as the train. Right. Okay? Right. That's not liberty. Right. The, 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 the idea of liberty is consequences be damned. Usually it will work out. When it doesn't, too damn bad. All right. So I think that you've made a good point there. Um, what about the third way? So we have morality, we have consequentialism or utilitarianism. Yep. Those arguments for liberty. Yep. You and just spoke about the second. So what is the third? Well, the third way is was the one I was talking about. You, 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 you and ask you, everybody. How would you, what would you call it? Well, that's a good question. I would call it, um, I would call it, I would call it liberty, liberty by consent. Hmm. Uh, hmm. And, and, and the trick, of course, is a bit of sleight of hand. 
right? The trick is you ask the same question to everybody. They give yes or no answers. And either way, they've consented to the regime that I'm talking about. Now, one of the objections goes like this. So again, here's the, here's the scenario. You ask every single person. It's not a vote. It's not a majority thing. It's everybody individually. Mm-hmm. Do you want to live in a society that prohibits, that has a law against force and threats of force? Yes or no? Yes, you consent to the law. No, you consent to a regime in which the state's using force to make you do it. An objection goes like this. They say, well, but it's neither yes or no for me. It's sometimes yes and sometimes no. I don't want to live in anarchy. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to live in your libertarian ideal either. I want the state to use its force sometimes to enforce regulations and to enforce some kinds of morality laws and to do this and to do that. But I don't want them to be authoritarian and, and dictatorial and tyrannical. I just want them to be sort of middle of the road. Okay? I want to, be a th- I want to have a third answer. I want the third answer to be sometimes. Okay? Well, I'm sorry, there is no third answer. Mm-hmm. F- for the reason that we've been talking about, which is you can't prove the moral rightness of the regime that you're talking about. You, all you're doing is saying, I want the state to use its force to impose my idea of the proper moral code. Okay? That's choosing the answer no. What you're saying is, state, go ahead, use your force. Mm-hmm. That's a no. That answer is no. Now, you prefer if the state didn't do this and didn't do that, but you're not going to have control over that. Because you've given the state the authority to impose whatever rules it thinks it wants to. So, okay, I've been reading a great book and it's talking, you know, going back beyond before the nation state. Right. And if you think about different regimes before that, Mm -hmm. you know, you had the medieval church and you had Rome. Yep. All of these civilizations had a kind of morality that was imposed upon them. Like, do you think it's even possible to have the third way, liberty by consent? Because people seem to gravitate towards imposing their morality. They really do. They really do. And this is, it seems to be, I, I, I do not think it's a human universal. The actual number of universals is vanishingly small. Hmm. It's not every single person that wants to do this, but it is a tendency for sure. And, and in every society, pretty much, that you can think of, there is some kind of an elite with more authority over things than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not an elite is inevitable, I don't know that either. I'd like to think not, but I don't know. Uh, it, it may be a natural tendency to seek to be one of the elite. Whether or not this kind of regime would defeat that tendency, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, the, it's still the best argument that I can think of for having a society in which you genuinely have liberty. And again, to go over the ground again, if you are living in a society where somebody else's moral code, a moral code that they insist is objective, is being enforced, mm-hmm. then you are not free. So if we think about liberty by consent, that kind of idea, 
How do you think that compares with America's constitution, the founding? And, and a lot of people, and maybe people listening to this show as well, will still think America is the freest place in the world. And they may be right in some ways. Mm -hmm. There is a really robust constitution, but a lot of people seem to still think that the constitution uh, is providing as much protection to the citizens as it was at the very, very beginning the founding of the United States of America. Do you think that there's any similarities between what you're describing here, liberty by consent, and the American founding documents? It's not the same thing, for sure. Um, I think you could say that there, there is at least the commonality of idea in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. That, that, the Constitution of the United States and its and its founding ideal was probably the one that came closest to um, to embedding that idea, to reflecting that idea. But it had a lot of other ideas as well, and those ideas worked pretty well for certain periods. Right. They're not working so well now. Mm-hmm. And, for example, um, in the American Constitution, like so many others, you, you create institutions, it creates institutions that have the power to make laws and interpret laws and enforce laws. Mm -hmm. And that means you've necessarily created an elite. And if, for example, you have a written constitution with, you know, with, with rights in it, rights written down in amendments and so on, and you've given to your courts the job of reading those words and deciding what they mean and applying them to the cases, well, the fact of the matter is that what you've just done is made the court supreme mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over your society. It's supposed to be the constitution, and technically it is still, but the... But the courts are telling you what the Constitution actually If they can means. determine, if, if the language is not clear enough, that they can determine the meaning for any given case and it can change over time. Well, let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. right off the top. Mm -hmm. right? So the First Amendment includes uh, freedom of expression. Okay? If you see those words, you know immediately it doesn't mean what it says. Hmm. Because... You have the words in the Constitution, but you also know that you're not allowed to go into the street with a knife and, 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 and side up to somebody and say, give me your wallet or I'll stab you. That's speech. You haven't actually used the knife. Mm -hmm. All you've done is speak. That's speech. The Constitution says free speech. So why don't you get to say, give me your wallet or I'll stab you? Well, because that's not what it means. Because right. there's a line between legal and illegal, constitutional and unconstitutional, that the words don't describe. Right. And the court right. reads those words and says, well, you know, what this really means is, this is okay, but that's not okay. Okay? That means the court rules, not the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't say free speech except for these situations and those situations and this situation. So another example, free speech, but if I 
go and write in the paper about how my neighbor cheats on his taxes, and he doesn't. Yeah. I've defamed him. Yeah. It was expression. I just wrote the words down. I'm allowed to say that, aren't I? It says so in the Constitution. No, buddy. Law of defamation says you can't do that in constitutional um, guarantee notwithstanding. And there's, and this, this, is, this is the way these things work. So uh, in the liberty by consent version of things, would you be allowed to do that? Would you be allowed to defame somebody? Would that be considered? Uh, there would be, there would be if, you, if you took that proposition about uh, pro prohibiting force and threats of force, the conclusion would be that, you, that there, there would be no such thing as a law of defamation. That's what I thought, right? yeah. You, you, yeah. You, wouldn't, you wouldn't have defamation, but why? Well, because you are speaking. Mm -hmm. You're not using force against anybody. The idea of having a right to a reputation is, is, is an additional thing that our present law sort of creates. Yeah. Okay? And people will say, well, how, 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 you know, how, could, we, how could we get on if people are able to defame each other? And here's how, here's how it would work. It would become apparent that we have no law of defamation, meaning that anybody can say anything about anybody else. And here's what would happen. People would, would come to understand that most of what they hear is completely and utterly false. And if you hear something about your neighbor, it's like, oh yeah, there they go again. Okay, so you've just given a reason that somebody might want to choose the other way in between. Right? They may want to say, well, listen, I don't want to live in this libertarian, classical liberal world right. because I want to be protected if somebody's going to try and defame me. Right. Right? So, right. so that's... It is the state using its force to make you stop doing things. Right. Stop using your own voice to say what you want that's not a threat, which we've prohibited. Okay? And there are lots of other examples as well. In this world where only force and threats of force are prohibited, you wouldn't have intellectual property. No patents, no copyright, hmm. no industrial design protection. Why? Well, because if I have my own pile of wood and, and tools and screws and you built a chair and I thought, oh, that's a really neat design for a chair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that design for my chair. And you say, no, well, that was my idea. Uh, you, can't, you can't use your wood to make your chair that way. Right. I say, I damn well can because you can't use force to stop me. And the state can't use force to stop me. It's my wood, it's my screws, my tools. I'm gonna to make my chair. And I saw yours and you have no property over an idea. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a question here that's a little bit tricky. Um, what do you think that world would look like? The world of liberty by consent. Oh, sounds, and does it matter? It sounds pretty good to me. Does it matter though? Does it matter? Does well, it right. actually well, matter? It, see, see, this is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it'd be a great place for me, but now you're asking me a consequentialist question, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the most honest answer that I can give is, well, I don't know for sure, but I don't care. Because to, to, to say otherwise would be to adopt a consequentialist way of reasoning. Yeah. You'll have a better outcome of this world. <laughs> right. right. If, you, if, you, if you adopt the principle 
then the world becomes whatever it becomes. Okay, so then somebody might say, well, then why does it even matter anyways then, Bruce? If we don't know what it's going to look like, we don't know that it's going to be better or if it's going to be worse, mm. people are going to be happy with this situation. I mean, what's the point of it then? What's the point? Well, let's turn that around, though. Mm -hmm. to, 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 to be concerned about those things is essentially to say that you would like a world that is managed for best outcomes. And that's the world we have right now. And how do you like it? Listen, I think that this is um, probably a great spot to leave this with an open-ended question. Okay. Because uh, how do you like it is a really, really good question because these are kind of issues that I think we're gonna keep digging into over time. I hope that we can do this again get some comments from this. Yeah. Hopefully people are going to share with us and, and let us know what they think, well, what sure they agree there will or disagree. Who don't agree with mm -hmm. my objection to objective morality. So I hope we will hear from them. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, before, uh, before we go, any last thoughts then? Uh, no, I think we covered pretty good ground actually. And I hope we get to return to it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much, sure. Bruce.